right now, you know, we're sitting here today having a good chat, but right now all across Australia there's men and women that are having their last day. There's men and women that are having their worst day. And there's men and women that just just can't do it. And that, that really breaks me. That That's really hard. It's just, you know, you, you, you want to be able to do more and you want to be able to do as much as you possibly can. And it's not about saving the world. You know, we, we're always going to have trauma. We're always going to have loss. But it's it's when you hear the stories of, you know, my son was 17 or, or my dad just turned 40 and we, were having, we had a great weekend and I just got married to my husband and we've got two kids, you know, that... That shit hurts. That's Sean, founder of The Shaka Project, an increasingly recognisable charity doing big things for mental health in Australia. Sean shared his personal story on the podcast three years ago, so this time around we spoke about what life's been like since then, the highs and lows of working in this space, and our thoughts on where men's mental health is at now. Sean dedicates his days to travelling around the country, presenting talks to many different organisations, and he does it all while being a dad, a partner, a son, and a mate. Sean also takes it upon himself to personally console the loved ones of those who've recently died by suicide who reach out to the Shaka Project for support every week. Each heartbreaking loss hits him hard, but he and the rest of the Shaka Project team keep pushing on to change the future of mental health for the better. Welcome to Young Blood, the award-winning volunteer podcast dedicated to young men's mental health. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is a platform for everyday men to share lived experience stories and show that no matter what you're going through, you're not alone. Suicide is the number one killer of young people, and changing that starts with speaking up. So let's do it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss a thing. Help us reach more people by taking 10 seconds to give the show a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you've got some feedback on this conversation, I'd love to hear it. You can vote in the poll and leave a comment on every Spotify episode. I read them all. This show touches on some tough topics that may provoke strong emotions. If you find anything in this chat distressing, please do whatever you need to do to look after yourself. This episode is proudly sponsored by our mates at The Shaka Project. The Shaka Project was designed to ignite the conversation around mental health, encouraging connection, mateship, and brotherhood through The Shaka. Inspired by a dad's love for his mates and his kids. Go to theshakaproject.com to find out more about the epic work these guys are doing, grab yourself some merch, and follow their journey at The Shaka Project on Instagram. Sean, you did a post recently talking about the fact that every week Shaka gets messages from people who've lost loved ones to suicide and that there was a a day recently where you got four of those messages in one day. What's it like for you to receive those messages and to respond to those people? It's heartbreaking. It really is. It's It, it sort of gets me to a point where you sit there and, and we put up all these, these posts on social media. We do all this this work in the background and, and try and do as, as much as we possibly can to get more people talking and we hear some great stories and when we hear these great stories it really gives us that lift and, and that that encouragement that this is this is doing a, a good job and, a, and it's having an effect and then you know when we when we get these messages it just breaks my heart it's just like what what can we what more can we do what more can we do for not only all those men out there and, 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 and people out there that are suffering, um, that are going through something. But what more can we do for society to make this conversation 
louder and and uh, something that everyone just needs to be having as well. And on, you know, on a, on a personal level, mate, it it really really destroys me because you know I've like many many people have been in on that cusp of of suicide, and it's a scary place to be. It's absolutely frightening, and then you know to to think about that you've lost three, four, five, six blokes in a day and you think about how they would have been feeling that day, that moment, that, that last hour, the last two hours, it just, it breaks your heart. It really does. And it's something that is most definitely the hardest part about what we do. And I knew going into, you know, having this as a full-time career, that was going to happen and nothing can prepare you for the messages from from sons, from daughters, from husbands, wives, mothers. When we get messages from mums, it was like that. That's the real. That's the real tough one. What do you say? You know, it's it's so hard to to know what to say, and and we can we can do the normal. I'm so sorry for your loss, and please let me know if we can do anything, and and we can do all that that normal you know conversation, but. Majority of the time, I, I pick up the phone and I give them a call and, and just allow them to cry on the phone or to, to tell me about them or to, uh, you know, ask me questions or, or, or say what they need to say and get out what they, need to, what they need to get out. But it's so hard to know what to say. It's so hard to know how to, how to approach because this is somebody's world. It's just completely, you know. So that day, you picked up the phone multiple times and spoke to multiple people who'd lost someone yeah yeah I, I had two in the morning so two in the morning and uh and then the third just after lunchtime and by about three o'clock I was I was pretty mentally exhausted and and I'm very very conscious of my own mental health that if I'm taking on too much I need to step away a little bit and turn the phone off maybe go for a walk go to the gym and and just take that mental health break um and just as I was about to go to the gym I uh I got another one and uh, I sat down with a woman for about fifteen minutes, and um, it was a it was her husband, and it was it was it was about two weeks before that, so it was pretty pretty raw and pretty fresh. And uh, chatting to her on the phone, and and just trying to allow her to open up and and tell me about her husband, and and tell me about what she's feeling and what she's experiencing. As I said before, it, it breaks your heart. It, it, also motivates you as well to just know that this work is so so important not just for the people that do you know lose their battle with mental health but their family their friends their loved ones uh the ripple effect of suicide is something that's you know we can we can talk about and we can have a look at but when you actually see it and how far that ripple goes that's the that's that's the heartbreak that lives on how are you able to take all that on I think most people would say, like, oh, man, that's so intense. You know, one yeah. of those conversations, or even I get it a lot where people say, how are you able to do that podcast when we're talking in past tense about things that have happened to people and they've gone through, let alone on the day of when people are so distressed and then doing it multiple times and traveling around the country, having that conversation every day. Yeah. It's just a, that's a massive burden, one that I, I have no doubt you feel privileged to be able to carry, but yeah. how are you able to do that yeah I have to be careful and there's been there's been a few times where you know I was in Perth last year and I had uh, I had four events in in four days and 
I remember waking up on the on the Saturday morning. I had one more event before I had to fly back to Melbourne, and I woke up on the Saturday morning, and I packed my bags. I was just about to get on the Uber to go to this event, and I just broke down. You know, I, I, I've been at these four events. They were really, really tough events. Uh, one was uh, for, in remembering of, of a male that, that passed away, and there was three other ones that were just really, really tough to, to be there. And I woke up on the Saturday morning. I was missing my kids. You know, I was missing my partner. I was I was exhausted and I was mentally drained, and and uh, I had to cancel the event. I just you know, I, I called and I just said, I'm, I just cannot do it. I can't come. And I uh, I got on the next flight home, which, you know, it, as much as it was a uh, a really, really tough day and a really tough decision to make to, to cancel events and to, to not put myself out there, it's something I had to do. It's something that uh, I've done, you know, many, many times since then as well when I've, I've had an event and I've had to cancel it the day before purely because of, of how I am. So I'm very, very conscious of that and, and trying to make sure that I'm giving myself a few days break in between events and, you know, the, the events are very open, very honest, raw events. We go, we go pretty deep into suicide, into mental health, into, into uh, you know, self-harm and my own personal story and talking about that for an hour, let alone for an hour, three or four times a week. You can feel it. You can feel it. Yeah. How much do you feel each one still to this day? Because you've done hundreds and hundreds of them. So is it still the case that you're getting as invested every time and every time it sort of takes a bit from you or you're able to have a bit more detachment? Because obviously when you're talking about trauma a lot of the time and, and not only are you sharing your own story, which is revisiting difficult times, but you're also holding space for people who are potentially struggling to be able to articulate themselves and be able to express themselves in that moment so there's like a lot of sensitivities to manage and that by itself is can be pretty exhausting and when we're having to manage those kind of traumatic situations or really difficult conversations like emergency services or that they have to get good at being able to detach and switch off to a certain extent do you think that crosses over to the work that you do or that's not really been your experience yeah, no, it, it most definitely is. And, you know, I think most people really, really close to me, if I go to an event, I normally am unreachable for about an hour. You know, I, I'll go back to the hotel if I'm traveling. I'll go back to the hotel, I'll turn the phone off, I'll chuck a movie on and I might, you know, order some food or go for a walk or, yeah, that, that hour, maybe two or three hours after an event, I'm, I just need to be in my own space. Even last night I went to, I had two events in country Victoria last night, you know, it was, it was it was probably about a four hour drive home. And I was just lucky enough that my partner was with me the, the whole drive. So she was um she was great. We were able to communicate the whole time. But if that was just me in the car, it would be a, a pretty tough trip. And it's been that many, many times where I've been interstate and you do an event and then you spend the sort of the next three or four hours just trying to calm down and I suppose Allow yourself to feel all the feelings, understand what, what's happening and um, do your best to, uh, to get to that next stage. Do you ever question whether you should be doing it and whether it's worth it? Many times. Yeah, yeah, many times. There's been a lot of times where I've got off stage and uh, I've just thought, you know, that this is just too hard. It's just emotionally draining. It's physically draining. It's something that 
you know, I, I'm bringing up the worst parts of my life every single time I get up there to complete strangers. And then I spend about five minutes in that mindset and then I have, you know, men coming up to me, hugging me in tears or tell me about their own mental health and open, opening up about their story. And, and that's what, that's what reminds me, you know, that's what gets me to the next level of, okay, this is, this is hard. This is, uh, this is really hard, but this is helping. Not as hard as not doing it. Exactly right. Yeah. And if you can make an impact on one person, two people and, and get some sort of message out there, it's going to be really, really hard, but that's what I'm after. It's a sacrifice though. Every time you're dredging that up, you are reliving it. And when you relive what happened, you also relive the emotions and you get that that physical response that goes along with it and it's not like yeah you can just tell a story like that from your past and you don't have any emotional connection to it anymore every time there's a someone getting up and speaking like that at an event they're feeling it i feel it every time i talk about losing my mate uh which i do fairly often at public speaking events and i always have that five seconds after i say his name or talk about the last conversation we had and I st- still have that moment of pause it gets me like, every single time so you feel it feel it every time but I, I totally get what you're saying when you get the reward of achieving the goal that we're trying to achieve where men come up to you afterwards and they they do the thing that they've probably been un- unable to do for their whole lives and they see someone like you unburden themselves and tell that story and it gives them the faith and strength to be able to do the same and that's an incredible thing that comes at a pretty great cost, but yeah. you can keep doing it as long as you're being really mindful and you've got yeah. the support around you and you don't forget of what you're preaching and to practice what you yeah. preach as well because otherwise you, you're not going to be able to keep preaching it and you have times like that too because yeah. Yeah, you're still human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and even on those, those events, you know, like you said, when you, when you speak about your mate, I really find that every event is just a little bit different it's it's essentially almost scripted at this point with how i run the events but i find myself in in different moments getting a different wave of emotion a different uh style of delivering the the message just yesterday when i when i was in this pub uh in in haywood victoria it was a uh, very very raw open conversation but you know, I went to a footy club a couple of weeks ago when I got to the point of the presentation where I bring up my daughter for the first time in probably a year. I got up to the point and I just stopped and I just I could just feel myself breaking down, and I had to really gather myself and and remember that you've literally done this a hundred times. <laughs> you know what the next line is, but it was just you know a, a certain week, a certain day, a certain moment that um, you know, all these emotions just came up and as soon as I started to talk about her and, and everything came up to me and, and all that sort of stuff, I just I, you know, almost lost it. So every presentation, every event, there's that different emotion, there's that different you know, authenticity and, and rawness, I suppose. That's what people actually connect with, though. Want. They yes, don't actually yeah. want that scripted response where you can tell that it's just the same regurgitation they're, they're after that connection and, and coming up with whatever you're going to say or that that point you're going to make sort of on the spot yeah absolutely uh but yeah there's a there's a bit of chaos about going up there and not knowing how am i going to feel today when i say <laughs> say yeah. this line and but i suppose 
that's what makes it real and, and that's what keeps it interesting too because you don't want every every day to be the same. You'd go nuts from doing that too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think yeah. we, we've probably done about 300 to 350 events over the last two years and not one of them has been the same. You know, and, and there's there's some that have been the hardest hour, two hours of my life and then there's some that have I've been able to get through and, and feel reasonably positive at, at the end of it. And I think that is the best thing about, you know, keeping it authentic and and uh, just trying to speak from the heart. And it allows everyone in the audience as well to to really connect because it isn't that, you know, that scripted, hey, this is what it is. This is a lot about suicide. This is what depression is. It's just raw. I swear a lot. When I, when I do the presentations, not when I'm in schools, it's really hard not to swear when you're at schools. You know, I try and stay authentic and raw and, and, and open about that because I feel like that's a... That's what people need, that, that raw message yeah, it's to, to open it up. Human message, yeah. Another big part of what you do is online content, and we see there's so much mental health content now. The topic's a lot more visible, which is a really good thing. There's online videos, there's podcasts, there's documentaries, there's events. From what you've experienced, what good is that doing? It's just, I think it's just keeping that awareness alive every single day. And, you know, we, we get many, many messages and comments and stuff throughout, you know, Are You OK Day, Men's, Men's Health Week, Men's Mental Health Month, of people saying, why is it only a month or why is Are You OK Day just one day? And, you know, that, that whole idea of it should be every day, it should be every day, well, it is every single day. And that's why we try and do it every single day. You know, my big belief is that, Someone right now or many, many people right now are having the, the worst day of their life. So if we can push content every single day as much as we possibly can, the chances of someone reading that that's having a really, really bad day are really high. So I think it's just to keep that awareness there and, and to keep the message there that whether it be about seeking support, whether it be about checking with your mates, checking with yourself, encouraging you know that positivity and the kindness and and all these different things as well but i think it's a really important way that we can spread the message as as far wide as we possibly can and we've had some great you know uh stories of people that have posted something to their their timeline and that's encouraged their mate to reach out to them and say hey you know i can see you're sharing something related to mental health i'm struggling a bit can we catch up and uh you know and, and have a talk about it and that's exactly what we want. How much is that happening? It's like every single week we get we get messages like that. I was I was talking to one of our ambassadors in uh, in Queensland, and he met up with a guy that lived about an hour away from him, and they knew each other from from you know 30, 40 years ago, and they've just reconnected because they both shared you know shaka posts, and uh, and now they can go catch up and have a coffee and have a beer and and just talk about their own mental health. So they've been able to reconnect just based on, on having an open conversation and being vulnerable. And so that sort of stuff is, is pretty amazing. You know, that's what we really, really love. And it's something that um, I always talk about at events. You know, where m most of the, the posts that I create on the Shaka, probably 50% of them, I'm doing them while I'm on the toilet. That's, <laughs> that's my office. I remember talking to a CEO of a company that we've done some amazing work with and and he said, this is my favorite post, this one here. And I said, yeah, I definitely did that in about you know 10 minutes. While I'll was, uh, never look at the Shaka project <laughs> the same now. But uh, that's where I, I think the most. And I, we all, also try and keep 
you know, the social media uh, authentic as well. And, you know, I run 100% of the social media. So essentially what goes on the social media, most of it is how I'm feeling that day. You know, if, if there's if there's a lot of stuff that's related back to, you know, just push through, just push through, odds are I'm, I'm trying to tell myself that, you know, odds are I'm having a pretty rough day. And, you know, if, if we have something that's happened over the weekend where we've heard about loss, we've heard about someone losing their father or their son, you know, we put up a reminder. These are the, 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 the support services and this is how many men we're losing and, and this is what you can do and this is how you can check in. And it, it is all based on, on what's happening and, and what's going on too. So, again, trying to, trying to stay authentic. And Shaka and Youngblood are aligned in our core purpose of trying to shift the culture of silence and shame around mental health. And that is intertwined with some traditional elements of Western masculinity, which is the men don't talk about their feelings. We just push on and get on with it no matter what happens. Uh, Don't show any emotion. Definitely don't ask for help. And I think we can agree that we want to change that attitude because that doesn't serve anyone but i would certainly argue that there are a lot of elements about traditional masculinity that are positive that are good for men and and then good for women and children as well um how do we do both how do we encourage both yeah i think that's a it's a really good question and there most definitely is that room and even the, the necessity for that positive masculinity you know we, we definitely need that um not only for ourselves but our partners our, our our family and friends i think the the masculinity that's really really harming us men when it comes to mental health and suicide is the not only the idea that we have to be tough and we have to be durable and push through but the idea that our mates have to be and what i mean by that is you know if 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 you see a mate that comes to you and says hey i'm going to get off the drink i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to quit alcohol for a month that idea of you know saying oh mate don't be a pussy you know come on just just have a beer with me or if you if your mate's had a couple of beers doesn't want any more come on mate have a couple of more have a couple of more i think that's the, the is that about enabling ourselves all of the time yeah absolutely and that enabling the conversation as well you know enabling the, to be safe in, in an environment of your mates where you can go up to a mate and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit drinking or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit drugs or I'm going to quit gambling and, and all these, these the, the, the trifecta of things that are leading to so much uh, suicides here in Australia and not being petrified to do it. So why do you think mates push back against that when someone comes to them and says, hey, these are fucking me up, I need to stop them, and we go, oh, no, you don't. Why do you think we're saying that? I think it's just the stigma. It's 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 that it's that whole stigma of, um, you know, as as men in Australia, we grow up to to drink beer, to, uh, you know, every now and then get on the party drugs, get on the bags, and you know, if if there's a race on or the footy on, and there's a multi on, you put your money on it, and uh, you know, I'm not sitting here to say I've never done any of those three three things because I most definitely have, so are my mates, and it's not something that. Um, you know, every every bloke out there is encouraging, but it's a, you know, you go to any pub in Australia on a Friday, Saturday night, and uh, I guarantee you'll find a bloke there that is really, really struggling, and his Kobe mechanism is to be there at the pub on a Friday night. And the danger with that is that 
he's probably going to be there on the Friday night. He's probably going to be on the Saturday. And then when Sunday comes around and his mates aren't there, he's he's coming down from from the drugs that he had over the weekend. He's got a hangover. His mental health there, and he checks his bank account balance and it's empty. That's when we when, that's when we lose our mates. And uh, your coping mechanisms are poison. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's something that you know I I see regularly is is these especially blokes just getting behind all these different things like the punt or like or like drugs or like alcohol, and uh, you know there's 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 absolutely glorifying a level it. of glorifying yeah glorifying it, encouraging it, and and you know if if you know that your mate is struggling and if you know that your mate is going through something, and you're still encouraging that that them to do all those things. That's the kind of shit that gets us in trouble, you know. That's that's what really, really allows the the gateway for for self harm, for mental health, for for suicide to open. I think drinking, gambling, drugs, risky sexual behaviour—it's all easy. It's yeah. easy to do. Yeah, it's uh, all about chasing dopamine, and it's also also about instant val- validation and gratification and we can just reach for a drink or the bag or go on sports bat and we can just disconnect yeah. at the touch of a button or whatever and the alternative is is hard you know yeah <laughs> actually building yourself up uh, learning about yourself learning about who you may actually is finding things that you can bond over uh sitting there and saying oh what's that emotion that i'm feeling and actually confronting it Yes, that yeah. that's hard. It's a lot harder, it is. and I think that's what's behind why we so readily go for the easy option, and perhaps the the fight back when our mate says, "Hey, I don't want to do this anymore," is because I think deep down we think I shouldn't be doing this either. Yeah, but I'm 100%. scared. I'm scared of yeah. what else am I going to do? Yeah, and if you stop doing it, that's going to mean I'm going to have to think more seriously about confronting that, and that's that scares true. us. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's that's vulnerability, and it's petrifying. You know, it's it's so scary because it's like, who am I if I'm not all this distraction? Exactly right. Yeah, and and we have these vices, and and they are they're they're easy vices. You know, if we if we have a bad week, we we go to a beer, and the you know the the easy access to to drink to drugs, and to uh, you know gambling and all those different things, you know, the, the, the ultimate recipe for, for disaster when it comes to mental health. And it's something that we've really seen over you know, the last couple of years when we go to footy clubs and, um, you know, we'll, we normally go to a, a footy club on a Thursday night and we get there at seven o'clock and, and by 7.30, half of the under-18s are, are half cut. And, you know, we, we see that as just a major, major sign of, of danger, you know, like, it's it's fine to have a beer, absolutely. I'm, I'll never not encourage that. But it's the, you know, you finish training, so let's get half a slab in on a Thursday night, or you finished a game, you played well, so here's a free slab to share. And it's an Australian thing, you know. We've all been brought up with that idea. When I played footy from you know 15 through to 20, we we drank every every night after the game. It was just what we did, and it's that sort of stuff that really really concerns me for the stats for the for the for the statistics here in here in australia because majority of the of the young blokes that we lose here especially victorian and and uh and new south wales are all based around sporting clubs 
footy clubs, NRL clubs. The hyper-masculine environment. High-masculine environment, yeah, absolutely. And I've been a part of these clubs before where it's, you know, you, you come, you play footy or you play whatever sport you're playing and then you go to the pub after or you go to training and then you go to the pub after training. And it's it's almost like a if you don't, you're probably not much much of the teammate. You know, you're not really part of the team. And uh, I've personally experienced that. I've personally seen that. And it's um, it's petrifying. It's really scary. It's something that, that you know, one poor bloke is going to be able to attach himself to alcohol and drugs just to fit in, just to get by, just to, again, go for that easy vice. And Sunday morning, you know, all that sort of stuff, all your mates, all, your, all the footy boys, they're nowhere to be seen because they're, they're, they're going through their own stuff and they're waking up hungover at their own house and, and coming down at their own house. And that's, that's where the danger happens. Also, we're all biologically different. We've all got different predispositions. Yeah. We had a, an episode recently where a young guy got on to cocaine from his footy club at, at the age of 18, uh, got offered it by the older boys as is commonly the way. And the way his chemistry was, he just became an addict pretty quickly and then ended up chasing that in a serious way for like five years and totally blew his life up. And so I think we based our, based off our own personal experience, we have the, and also sort of the callous Aussie attitude of like, oh no, she'll, she'll be right. And right up to it's kind of funny how fucked up you can get as being the, the attitude, but some people you give highly addictive drugs or you introduce to gambling or whatever and they'll go totally off the deep end yeah. and it can pl- completely destroy their life and just because it didn't happen to you doesn't mean it won't happen to someone else. Exactly. We have these attitudes with these things like, ah, oh, no, you know, it's just a bit of fun and that might be the case for you but you never know how that's going to impact someone that you're introducing to that yeah, thing. So I think that's important for people to keep in mind because you go, oh, yeah, I have 10 beers and half a bag every weekend and I'm fine. You're probably yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but the other probably person okay. might might go way further than that much quicker. Yeah. Um, so I think, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's important to have some awareness around that too. We're not all, we're not all the same. And it's obviously it's the wrong path of, I think, trying to get to the right place because yeah. what's, what's underneath all these things, like why do we have to drink a slab after we win? It's because we want to connect more, right? We want yeah. to get closer together. We're trying to bond, trying to have a laugh. And it's based off that old attitude that we're trying to work against, which is, well, I can't connect with you and on a deep level unless I'm fucked up. Yeah, exactly right. You know, and yeah. we're changing that now where it's like, yeah, we can, we can do that anyway. Yeah. So we don't need this gateway to get to that point where we can have a really deep and honest chat and hug each other and have a dance or yeah. you know, have a crack at a, a girl we're interested in or whatever yeah. it might be. We should be able to be building ourselves up more and be more evolved than are we the only way we're going to get there, which is it's fair enough. Of course, we want to be closer together. Of course, we want to connect, but we don't have to get absolutely smashed to get there. And actually, it seems like a good idea at the time, but when does it ever really, really end exactly right. in the result that yeah. you want? You know, yeah. it's like this thing where you're chasing it, you think you want it, but then you actually get there or on the way, it just gets uglier and uglier, and yeah. people end up just like shit faced or not able to connect at all or making terrible mistakes. Yeah. So it's like it's all this chasing the dragon nonsense where you you can't get it out of your head like how how good's this going to be? Yeah. But like 
can you actually remember times when it was actually that good? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's always a pretty uh, a bit disappointment. But yeah. and I think that goes back to that that culture as well of culture of men, culture of environments. You know, sporting clubs especially. We we've worked with many many sporting clubs, footy clubs, uh, rugby league clubs, cricket clubs, and some amazing ones out there. Some really incredible ones out there that are doing everything for their players, for their volunteers, for their community, just amazing, amazing things. But, you know, we, we got approached by a company, and I won't mention who it is, uh, a company, a club, um, and they, they, they got recommended by one of their players. One of their players said, hey, we want to do a mental health event. These are the guys, Shaka, they'll come out, they'll do it. And uh, this club approached us and, and said, hey, can you come out? And... Uh, we said, "Yep, no worries. This is this is the event fee. You know, we have our we're we're a, a non for profit. We have our bills, all that sort of stuff. This is how much it cost." And um, it was pretty quickly turned down, and 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 we were sort of told that we we weren't needed and we weren't wanted there um, for the price. So I did suggest, "Okay, let let's do it. Let's do it at a discounted rate." And we ended up doing it, and um, it was a great event. It was absolutely awesome. And when I was doing some research leading into the event. I jumped on their Facebook page, this club's Facebook page, and I had a look at their their social media, uh, sorry, their social calendar for the year. So all the footy events throughout the year, all the netball events. And I worked out there was 21 rounds in the, in the season in this league and there was 19 events back to back that were all based around who can get you know, the most drunk. It was last man standing or it was... A, a shot night or it was a, a you know the airport nights so we've got to admire the creativity at that point as well exactly right yeah, 19 of them yeah <laughs> and you know when i first went into them i, I normally have a bit of a a briefing with them uh before i do it with the president and, and captain and all that sort of stuff and uh when i sat down with them and and they said all right what can we do after the event to, to p- keep promoting this and uh they didn't like the fact that i said hey you can't do back to back drinking events like that you can do back-to-back social events but you know if you're encouraging your players that every single weekend you must come here i know i know it's to make money it's, it's to keep the club going but there's got to be a better way there's got to be a better way to raise money for your club than just at the bar you know just at getting buckets of shots and and this and that and the, the culture around that is just it's just showing that all these young kids as well, you know, the, 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 the club was from under 12s up to, you know, reserves and seniors. Yeah. It's telling the young kids that, hey, to be a part of this club every weekend, you have to get drunk. You have to spend money on the club. You have to come here and get up to no good. It's a lot of fun. We make a lot of money from it. And then once a year, we'll do a mental health thing. It comes down to all that culture of if, you, if you're running a, a a company, a corporate, uh, a community organisation, a footy club, whatever it is, the people are involved with, it has to be about those people. Yeah, and it's not enough just to have a, a token day and say, oh, yeah, we exactly care about right. it. No, yeah. It's got to be your culture, and that takes a lot of work and effort and actually caring about it to do. And then your community members are going to be able to feel that you're actually taking that seriously. And then that if you have bad culture around that, then that's going to start to change it or make an actual impact because, yeah, you can't have a culture that everyone knows is toxic in, in various ways, uh, encourage that all year and then stick a Band-Aid on it 
yeah. at the end and be like, nah, she'll be right because eventually she exactly she won't right. be right. Yeah. And then right. and then everyone's devastated and everyone doesn't know how that could have happened and oh we never saw any of the signs and there's a bunch of other people who are almost at that point themselves, but I feel like they can't say anything because evidently in that kind of culture you can't say anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I think a lot of it as well with a lot of companies, clubs organization have the idea that we don't really need it you know now everyone everyone's here's is is they're fine they're all good they're all pretty well and we've had many many events where we we sort of rock up and there's a little bit of communication that's like oh yeah okay like just another another one of these it's almost like a tick of the box sort of thing and it takes about three or four minutes to see men and women in the audience start to remember six months ago two years ago when they were at their lowest point that makes them start to remember that, you know, their family member that's going through something right now or a family member or a friend that they lost to suicide. And there's never been one event over the last three years where there hasn't been at least five to ten people come up to us and say, I've lived through the same thing or I've lived, lived through mental health or I lost someone or I lost this person or I was in this crisis mode, you know, it just... Yeah, like the old saying going, we never know what anyone's going through, but we also never know what anyone, everyone's been through as yeah. well. So you get a room of 100 people and odds are 99 of them um, have experience. Well, they're all human. Aren't exactly they? right. And yeah. what strikes me is if you go into a club or a community group and, and saying we can come and do this work and they say, oh, no, nah, everyone's all good here, we're all sweet, they're probably the group that needs it the most exactly because right. that on. means that no one's talking. Yeah, yeah. But you can bet it's going on. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, yeah, unless they know something that all of us don't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's pretty, un- checking with them or something. pretty unlikely. Um, yeah, 100%. So there's, there's some elements of tox- toxic masculinity around this, and that's a phrase that's like a real buzzword, and there's a number of different definitions of it, and it upsets people in various ways. And one of the definitions is uh, it's, a, it's a perception of manliness um, that perpetuates dominance, dominance, aggression, violence, and narcissism uh, at the expense of others. And pressures, like we've been talking about, pressures men to actually act in a way that's harmful to themselves yeah. and and to others and makes that a good thing. Yeah. Um, but then there's, then there's this other part of, of masculinity that, other traits that also get condemned by some pockets of society where they say, oh, you know, we should make men placid and, and harmless and uh, take away this innate sense of, call it competitiveness or aggression or, or yeah. that fire and saying that that's the problem, which I wholeheartedly disagree with. And Absolutely, I think yeah. that, well, we're, we're made this way for a reason and, and men and women are, are different in various ways and that that just makes sense and it yeah. needs to remain the case. And that while we certainly shouldn't be encouraging in young boys these toxic elements that are causing harm, we also shouldn't be saying to them, hey, just by virtue of you being a man, you're already a problem. You're already yeah, in the wrong. Yeah, 100%. You're already causing issues before you've done anything. You're you're a villain for some reason just because yeah. you're a man, and 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 making them feel like they're a loaded gun just because of how they've been born, and saying you know yeah you, sh- you shouldn't be strong, you shouldn't be assertive, uh, you sh- you shouldn't feel like you need to be a protector because I would argue that those are those are good things that we should yeah, be absolutely. encouraging uh, in young men. 
And I think um, perhaps one of the most dangerous things you can do is not give men that self-confidence and, and not encourage boys to build themselves up mentally and physically because what comes with that is self-respect, valuing yourself, loving yourself. And then what comes from that is valuing and respecting others in Good return. Yeah. And then when you do that, they value and respect you. And then I think you treat people well by yeah, and large. Absolutely. And I think the actual danger comes in when you are told that, no, you, you shouldn't try to build yourself up. Um, you should stray away from all those things because that's what makes men bad. Uh, and then we feel like we are powerless, like we do have to latch on to people to try to control people, um, that we don't have that sense of self-assuredness and, and uh, confidence in ourselves. Then I think that's what actually makes men dangerous, particularly as they get older, because then we, we don't value and love ourselves or others like we should. And that means that we are then lashing out and then causing problems. Yeah. And that actually the best thing that we could do is to be encouraging young men to be like, yeah, be, be strong, find out who you are, see the value in looking after the girls in your life, see the value in serving your community. And it's so important that boys and men are feeling valued in return because <laughs> that's going to make us want to do the right thing. And I think we should be painting the picture of masculinity in that way where it's like, I would say being a man is it's about being responsible for yourself, for your own health. And it's about being responsible for looking after other people and caring for other people. And there's a lot of other stuff that you can put around that, but I think that's, that's really core. And if you've got that, people are going to act accordingly and they're going to treat each other well. And yeah. I think that ties in massively with this huge epidemic of domestic violence that we're seeing in this country at the moment where you can't open a paper any day of the week at the moment without seeing that another woman's been murdered and men are constantly terrorizing and killing women in this country and underneath that is just a whole lot of scared men who have been through a lot of pain themselves, a lot of unresolved trauma, a lot of things that they've never dealt with, probably raised in similar environments themselves and deeply insecure. And that leads to that result. Uh, and I think men who end up dying by suicide probably share a lot of those same feelings. And instead of uh, harming others, they're harming themselves. But I think it comes from that same place. And that one of the most important things we can be doing as a society is teaching men to love themselves for who they actually are and fostering all those positive traits. Yeah, absolutely. Rather than saying, well, you're, you're, just, you, you're destined to be evil because you're a man, so yeah. we just want to put you in a cage or try to, try to stop you from doing what inevitably you're going to end up doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think it's, um, it's a scary... A scary time in the world for men in a, in a lot of ways because because there is a bit of that idea that uh, we are all painted under the brush of, of of being evil and being monsters and and being unhinged and it has a massive effect. You know, I don't know if you saw the Barbie movie. I did. Um, you did, and um, we won't go too far into it. But I remember walking out of that movie, and I remember standing in the movie theater, uh, just outside of the movie theater, and 
I felt really like ashamed to be standing there and almost embarrassed. Like as a man, I was standing there watching all these women walk past me and I'm just, I felt really, really uncomfortable. And I think that that goes to, to say a lot about the, the conversation and a lot about the idea that a lot of men do feel that insecurity about just being, just simply being a man and just simply showing some vulnerability and, and trying to, to love themselves and, and have self-care and, and uh, almost be aware of their own general health, their, their, their mental health, and almost allowing themselves to really open up and be themselves without the, the risk of being labelled as toxic or labelled as just another guy or labelled as you know, a monster and stuff like that too. And, you know, we, we get it all the time with, you know, fathers coming to us and say, hey, you know, I haven't seen my kids in, in six months because, you know, I was, I, I did the wrong thing in a relationship and now I'm paying the ultimate price and I can't seem to get my kids back. And then there's, uh, you know, men that refuse to leave the house because, you know, they're just so petrified that they're not that, you know, that, that uh, stereotypical guy, you know, they don't go to the gym or they don't have a six pack, they don't have tattoos and they don't, they don't look like that stereotypical Aussie bloke. So that self-awareness and that self, uh, self-esteem is, is, you know, non-existent. And that's a lot where a lot of men are getting into harm as well and, and leading into drugs, alcohol, um, you know, suicide, self-harm and, and all these different aspects too. So I think it's a, it's a real, it is a dangerous, dangerous thing to talk about, the masculinity. And I think a big misconception when people say, hey, you, you can't, you have to be vulnerable, is that when we say be vulnerable, that, that wipes out the strength, which it doesn't. You know, vulnerability and strength can, co- can coexist. They can essentially be right next to each other. And, you know, there, there's so many examples of, of that happening where you can be strong, you can be a protector of your family, of your kids and, your, and, and everyone around you. And you can be vulnerable enough to know that all, that, all of that is, is not something that you not only have to do and have to be, but it is also something that uh, as, as yourself and, and as who you are, you aspire to be as well. You aspire to be that protector. You aspire to be that person that can be, uh, you know, your your daughter's Superman. And it's something that I always talk about with with my daughter is that, you know, when when she looks at me, she sees a big strong dad, and I'm a Superman. You know, I'm a I'm a superhero. And when I really realise that, many many times she's seen her super Superman and superhero break down and cry. That scared the crap out of me. You know, I was like, fuck, you know, like, what's she going to think of me now? Is she going to think I'm still strong? Is she going to think I'm a strong dad? Because that's, that's what a strong dad is. He's a strong dad. And then it took me a really, really long time to understand that just because I cry in front of my daughter and get upset and show my emotions, that doesn't have to actually take away that I'm still a strong father, that I'm still a protector, that I'm still Superman to her. And I think that's that's a great way that we can almost look at that with our friends, with our relationships, is that you can be that protector, you can be that man, you can be strong and, and strong-willed, even when you're opening up and, and being that vulnerability 
that, that vulnerable person at the same time. I would argue that that makes you a stronger man than any otherwise yeah. could be because what's harder, bottling it up and trying to push through and, and pretending to yourself like you don't have that yeah. inside of you or actually being brave enough to express it with that fear there. 100%. One of the ultimate fears that you could have as a dad is being perceived in a way that you don't want to be perceived by the person that you love most yeah. and you're able to do that anyway because you believe in the importance of being 100% who you actually are and showing her that yeah. I would argue that that takes the most strength 100%, of anything yeah. and I think that's a huge part of trying to shift the perspective for men to look at it that way where it's like well you know you know vulnerability or honesty or just fessing up to how you're actually going takes a shit ton of strength yeah. because it's fucking hard to do is, yeah. and anyone who does it will say man that was so tough and it's a big deal and that's why so many people don't do it as well because it's really difficult but it's also the best thing that you can do and people will also say that why didn't i do that yeah. sooner yeah. and why did i spend potentially decades of my life thinking that i had to be this unyielding rock till i inevitably end up having a, a blow up or yeah. taking myself out or causing irreparable damage and what we try to say a lot on this podcast is the vast majority of men want to be the most effective they can be they want to be the protector they want to be the provider they want to be the man and there's nothing wrong with wanting to be the man and the way that you do that is by having the capacity to actually admit to being human and yes, bring the yeah. people in who need to be brought in at the time when that needs to happen and be brave enough to let yourself go and not bottle it all up and not bullshit and lie to yourself and lie to other people. That's the strongest thing you can do. And if you can do that, you're going to be the best that you can be in all those areas. And that's how you get there. And you can't actually get to be that strong and be that great of a, a dad and a partner and a friend and a person if you can't face up to yourself because that exactly takes right. the most balls of anything. Yeah. And, and I think vulnerability invites vulnerability as well oh I think, yeah i think that's well look at really it. what you do thing. every day yeah yeah exactly right. those people wouldn't be coming up to you and talking maybe for the first time if you hadn't just done it hadn't said anything yeah yeah and i think it's um it's, it's really funny it's a it's a good example whenever i go out to um i might go to like a, a, a friend's birthday or out to a function and if i meet someone new first thing i ask you know what do you do for a living they tell me and ask me what I do for a living, within 15 seconds, they're telling me about their life, about what's going on with them, their experiences. And my partner was, was recently with me when we were at a, we were at a pub and, and, and she knew this bloke for a very, very long time and, and, um, and didn't really know much about his past or that he had been through anything, just thought he was just a, just a bloke, just a good bloke. And, uh, she said he just opened up to you within 15 seconds and told you more about him than uh, you know than I ever knew, and I've known him for 10 years. And you know, again, it's just about saying, "Hey, I work in mental health. This is what I do." It's not even about saying that. It's just it's opening up a conversation, being vulnerable, and that's just it's like a permission slip. Yeah, it's permission. It allows blokes to. And go, it's funny, oh, isn't it? Because the the stigma is, "Oh, men don't want to talk." Yeah, <laughs> you Absolutely. would probably say differently. Like yeah. as soon as you get a chance to talk, yeah. People yeah, are dying to do it, it yeah. because they might live a life and more often than not do where they don't feel like they can talk to anyone around them. Yeah. And then they meet someone 
who gives them that permission and it's like because we know we've got that feeling inside of us like yeah, yeah i really do want to talk about this yeah even if i know i've got all this apprehension like i'm not supposed to do that because a man doesn't do that you're drawn to do it yeah 100%. because i think we we do want to look after ourselves deep down and we do know when something's wrong and we do want to unburden ourselves and and try to understand whatever's causing us this yeah. but if we if we can't get over ourselves enough to to do it then it just continues to fester and just cut us up and yeah absolutely we can't blame people for that but at the same time times are changing and there's more and more examples out there of of men showing that they were in that position and that there is action that you can take to make things better and there's certainly action you can take to make things worse as well yeah. uh and then it's not like you just you work it all out and now you're vulnerable all the time and you go out on the grass and sit in a circle and yes. uh yes, and that, yeah. <laughs> that's what you do all day yeah. now and yeah. you know you don't have to drive the truck anymore or go and uh you know be go and do your day job uh, you just spend your whole time talking about your feelings that's not what we're saying and yeah. i do think yeah. that some men, particularly older generations, sort of see it that way, where it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to fucking do that because I've got shit to do. Yeah. And that's that attitude like is needed sometimes. Yeah. And stoicism gets a bad rap for being like, oh, yeah, if, if you're stoic, it means you have no emotions and you're just like talking to drywall and you can't get anything out of you. And actually, the definition of, of stoicism is not being driven by your emotions, being yeah. able to actually respond rather than be ruled by your impulses, which is actually... A really good thing to be teaching men and it is good for men to be able to push through sometimes and get stuff done because stuff needs to get exactly done right. things need yeah. to get built money needs to be made food needs to be put on the table so don't stop doing that but just when you know that you've got something building up inside of you and it's not going away you just can't keep pretending like it's going to yeah and it's yeah. and if it's not good enough if if your own life doesn't mean enough the life of the people that you care about are going to be massively affected in a negative way if you can't face up to it. Exactly right. I think it's even just about, you know, opening up that little door to, to, to vulnerability and to mental health, you know, in your life. And if you, as soon as you open that door with someone, whether it be your best mate, someone you just met, um, your partner, whoever it might be, but that door's always there, you know, that 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 little conversation that you can get on with your life, you can you can go to work, you can do all this sort of stuff. And then the minute that you wake up and think, she's I'm having a rough day, you think, all right, here's my access point. I can just go in this door. I remember that three months ago I talked to Sean at the pub about mental health. So I'm just going to send him a message and, and see if I can chat. And, you know, I always say that I don't reckon we'll find a bloke in Australia that has not been through something, whether it be childhood trauma, whether it be some sort of really, really horrible mental health trauma um, or just a bad day or a bad couple of days. And it's not about getting them all to come out and say it, but it's about just allowing, say, hey, like, it's all right if you're right now. That's good. We, we love that you're okay. We love that you're here. We love that you're doing good. But just put this down here. This is just a little door just in case that that one day, maybe it may not ever happen, but that one day that you wake up and you think, shit, I need something, I just think, I need something different, that door's there. And I think that's a lot to do with the conversation that we try and push is it's not just for today, not, for t not, not just for tomorrow. And, you know, we, we have some amazing ambassadors from across the country and they're always asking us, what do you want us to do? What is, do you want us to share posts? Do you want us to do this? 
And our response is, we just want you to be that person. We just want you to, to, to do what you need to do to create a conversation in your little circle. You don't have to share posts. You don't have to sell T-shirts. Don't do any of that sort of stuff. Um, but just be the person that's, that's there for someone or that can actually go and talk to someone. And, um, you know, we, we always encourage when someone puts up a post or shares a post of, of one of ours or one of the other mental health organisations, someone might see that now. So it might be Monday they see that and then in six-month time they're having a rough day and they remember who posted that. They remember that that's the person they can talk to. So, yeah, I think there's big power in just giving our mates and giving each other and everyone around us that little door of it might be all right now and that's awesome, we're super happy for you, but just put this here just in case. I think that's really beautiful. Yeah, I love that. Love that analogy. Um, and it's similar to planting seeds in people's minds as For well. Sure. Like you never know when that's going to be needed, but you can guarantee if you're human and you're going through life, you're going to come up against the things we all come up against. And just having somewhere that you can go, having someone you can go to, somewhere you can go mentally, uh, knowing that it's that it's all right to be able to express that. That means when you get up and you end up in that place, you're not, you're not trapped. Yeah. You, you've got somewhere to go. And I think, yeah, just trying to frame it that way. That's a big part of it, isn't it? It's like we're trying to frame stuff in a way that's going to be palatable to yeah. men where we can think of it like that in practical terms. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, I should have that tool there. Because we're always prepping for when shit goes wrong yeah. in life Everything and like, else, what yeah. can we do to be prepared? And so phrasing it that way, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think mean, like... It, it, a good analogy to think of is, you know, if if you've got a mate that has a ute and you need to move house, he's the first person you're going to call. You know, it's the same sort of thing. If you give your mates, you know, utes all over the country and you need a bloke in Queensland to move, that's the first boat you call. So <laughs> it's the same with mental health. You make those little connections just in case, just one of those days that you need to move house, you need to do this, you need to have a chat, that access is there. Nice. I've got a ute, so I always get called. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, what has all this done for you? All this service? Uh, oh, it's, it's it's changed my life completely. Um, it's it's changed the way that I look at not only my own mental health, but the mental health of of my mates, the mental health of of strangers as well. Um, the the hardest thing about about doing this project is it's not getting any better. You know, the, the, when we look at the stats, they're not getting any better. They're, every single year, they're increasing. Um, every single year, we're losing more people. Every single year, we're, we're getting to the point where, you know, we, we, we just really, really wonder when we're starting, we're, we're going to start to make progress, when we're going to start to see more conversation and uh, more help from everyone that we can possibly ask for well, help. And ultimately to, see the numbers change. To, to see those numbers change. Yeah, that, that's, that's the hardest thing about it. You know, we can have a really good year with 150 events and, we, and think we make a really good impact. And then, you know, I sit there on Christmas Day and I just think there's, there's you know, 44 men that aren't here on Christmas Day just from this week. And, you know, that sounds really dark and gloomy and it's probably not what you want to be thinking about on Christmas Day, but when you're in the space, that's, that's what you think about. 
and that sucks. That really, really sucks that right now, you know, we're sitting here today having a good chat, but right now all across Australia there's men and women that are having their last day. There's men and women that are having their worst day and there's men and women that just just can't do it. And that, that really breaks me. That, that's really hard. It's just, you know, you, you, you want to be able to do more and you want to be able to do as much as you possibly can. And it's not about saving the world. You know, we, we're always going to have trauma. We're always going to have loss. But it's, it's when you hear the stories of, you know, my son was 17 or, or my dad just turned 40 and we, were having, we had a great weekend and I just got married to my husband and we've got two kids. You know, that, that shit hurts. You know, seeing, seeing kids grow up without their parents as a parent, as a parent that's also been to the brink of that and has, has almost been one of those stats. When I think about that now of, of those moments when I was in that point and, and imagining my daughter without me, you know, that, um, yeah, that, that just destroys me and, and, breaks my heart into a million pieces and to know that today, tomorrow, Wednesday, the next day, there is fathers that are going to lose their battle and there is daughters that are going to lose their fathers and, and sons that are going to lose their fathers. That, um, yeah, that fucking, that sucks. Yeah, the losses hit real hard. Really hard. Space. We're talking yeah. about people's lives all the time. Yeah. So how do you make the wins count? Oh, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard. You know, my, my wins are, I was, I was lucky enough this year to, to write, a, write a book, um, a children's book that was based on my daughter and it was all about mental health and all about feelings and emotions. Wicked. And, you know, my, my reward is her coming home and saying that she read it to the whole class and, and, and uh, you know, I've got a little cousin that she was having a presentation day at school about feelings and emotions, and she took that book as a, as a description of how to express your emotions. And, you know, whenever you ask my daughter what daddy does, he, she always says, oh, he, he talks to other daddies about being happy and, and about being sad. That's a good summary. It's great. It's, it's awesome. You know, that's, that's, that's what positivity I come from it because she's going to, grow up with that in her life and you know when she goes through stuff and when she struggles she'll know that dad's there and that she'll have people in her life that she can talk to and there that's the positives for for me um the positives are the people we meet we meet some amazing amazing people that are doing incredible stuff um people that have lost someone you know one of our ambassadors yesterday that we were at an event for, she lost her husband um, about a year and a half ago. And ever since, she's held about five events in her area, just all raising funds and awareness. And every event has been absolutely huge. And I remember I was, I was speaking at one of her events and I mentioned that when we have loss in our life, we normally go one of two ways. And there's no wrong or right way to go, but it's either we, we, we go away and we deal with it as best we possibly can and we, we get through life, we keep taking steps. There's absolutely no, nothing wrong with doing it that way. But there is a group of people that, especially when it comes to suicide or illness or sickness, that 
take it and they, they try and make something of it. And that's what she's done. And she's done an amazing job. And, and I'm lucky enough to be able to see that around the country every single day are these people that are, have lost people in their life to mental health and suicide that wake up and want to make sure it doesn't happen again. And they use the worst day of their life and the worst moment of their life as, as a tool to encourage others to talk about it so it doesn't happen again. So they're the kind of positive stuff I get from it. Um, I hug a lot of people. That's the best thing about my job is, you know, I, I meet these people that um, I met a woman yesterday that she said that her and her sons, when they get home, they're like, hey, did you like the Shaka Post today? How good was that one? And, and uh, how good was this one? They've got, it, they've got some of them printed on their fridge. And, and uh, you know, I gave her a big hug yesterday and got a photo with her. And, and that sort of stuff I, I absolutely love because it just shows that you have, you have a, an impact in that house. And, you know, you don't really see the impact sometimes of, of what you do in anything in life. But when you have little conversations like that, when this, this mother says, me and my 17-year-old sons talk about the post and we, we say which one's our favourite and we print them out, put them on the fridge, that's cool. That's, that's what really, really makes me happy and they're the real positives out of this whole thing. And I think given the fact that we're not seeing those numbers come down yet, it is easy to get down on it. And I do think myself as well when I hear similar stories and think about all the work that gets put in and it is easy to slide into negativity and be like, well, what's the, what's, what's the point? And yeah. of course, that's the challenge of it. But another way of thinking about it, which is how I think about it, I don't think we look at it this way enough, which is where would we be without all this? Yeah. You know, if we didn't have thousands of people around the country having these conversations and pushing these initiatives and putting in all this effort, where would we be then? And yeah. you can guarantee it would be a whole lot worse. Absolutely. And we know that culture takes time to change and Rome wasn't built in a day and we are making big strides. And just because you're not seeing it reflected really obviously at the end of the line in the suicide statistics doesn't mean that there isn't a evident groundswell of people changing culture in Australia and around the world. And I've got no doubt that we will see that proof in the pudding eventually. And it's not like we're waiting till that time for a payoff because we're already seeing that payoff yeah. every day. It's just that the negatives and those hard hits, they stick out even more. But in the messages that you get in the conversations that you have with people talking about how your talk or your post helped them and for people who aren't us who just have these conversations within their friendship group and can connect better with their friends than they ever have before or finally were able to talk to their dad about something other than the weather and sport or whatever it is. Like <coughs> those are massive payoffs and that's real and that's happening now and that wouldn't be happening if we weren't out here having these conversations, doing this stuff, and that's yeah. what I think we need to focus on. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that's um, that's that's what I try and focus on as much as I can, and also try and reflect back of fifteen years ago, none of this was happening. You know, there was no conversation about mental health. There was no encouragement of men to seek help or anyone to seek help. There was nothing that we could 
really quickly access to. There was a couple of charities. There was a couple of foundations and stuff. But in a world where everything is on our phones, we need to have that accessibility where everyone wants to look at their phone and be involved in that world. There's got to be more stuff that, that can get that attention of, of everyone. And again, 10, 15 years ago, it would never happen. Even when we started, there was, there was not a whole lot of conversation there. So over the last five years, especially after COVID, it definitely have def, definitely has changed, and that is it's an encouraging thing for us. That although the stats aren't making that big impact that we can see, we can see an impact when it comes to just more conversation, more awareness, more support services out there, more companies, more podcasts, more TV shows, athletes coming out and talking about mental health celebrities all that sort of stuff people backing it so those small shifts and those small changes they're the things that i think in 10 15 years will start to add up and we'll, we'll start to see some changes for sure yeah and so i think it's about not waiting till then to to feel the satisfaction and feel rewarded and understand that what you're doing does mean something and it, and it does matter and it is worth doing uh, and feel that and appreciate that now and let it keep firing you up and bloody look after yourself so you yes. can keep going man <laughs> yes exactly right <laughs> <coughs> just on cue uh yeah yeah i think you're absolutely right and it's taking the small wins you know taking those, those little wins of of the, the the cool stories that you get with with supporters or with people that follow the page and or listen to a podcast that you're on and, and stuff like that i think that's um that's the best bit of encouragement we need. We don't need to, to sell a million T-shirts or, or anything like that. It's, uh, it's more just about having those little wins where people are aware that we're here, that there's other companies there, and that the conversation's definitely out there. I think that's a big one too, just to keep encouraging it and keep, 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 keep everyone talking about it as much as we possibly can. All good, bro. Awesome. Thanks, bro. Thanks, man. Awesome. That's it for this episode. If you like what we're all about, support us by following Youngblood Men's Mental Health on Instagram and Youngblood Mental Health on TikTok. Every podcast episode is recorded in professional quality video and they're all up on our Youngblood Men's Mental Health YouTube channel. So please show some love and subscribe. You can find everything there is to know about the podcast at youngbloodmensmentalhealth.com. And most importantly, please share these stories with anyone in your life who needs to know they're not alone. We're all in this together. Catch you next time.